have your way tonight. Speak afresh to us and let the words of my mouth and the very meditation of my heart be accepted on your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Y'all playing tonight. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You bless my spirit. Saints, I'm so glad you tuned in tonight. We're going to talk a little bit more from the subject, The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. I have done this now 29 weeks. I have looked at this idea. As you probably can tell, this will be in a book soon. <laughs> this will be in a book soon. <laughs> We've got more than enough. Our foundational text has been from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I love that passage because God calls unto us to walk in what I always refer to as quiet strength. And I want God to manifest that quiet strength in us so that we can do and hear what God wants us to do. I want to make sure you and I know that God wants to speak. People can't hear me right now on Facebook, so I want you to make sure that we're online. They can hear the instruments, but Bishop is low. While they're preparing and getting the volume up a little more, let me just continue to share with you that what we want to make sure of is that we are walking in what God wants us to be. And a part of that is coming into a place of peace about everything. You know, uh, when I was younger, if the mic wasn't right, it would bother my mind. I'd be trying to get it right. I, if, if the song wasn't the one I wanted sung for the sermon, it would get me all off place. And I'm still somewhat like that. I like to, things to be in order, but my spirit is calm enough that I can hear God in the midst of the storm. And that's where you want to be at. You want to be able to hear God in the midst of life's storm. And so tonight I want to, I want to raise with you, um, we talked about some things last week and when we got down, and I'm going to try and focus our attention now to the issue of caring. That was the section, love and caring. And when we get to that, that section of love and caring, then I'm going to pick up those five things that we talked about earlier. But I want to go back to something I said to make a point. In that section of love and caring, what we were saying there was from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Sister Fawn said, I hear you now. And Sister Goose said, you're good now. All right. Ephesians 4, verse 2 says, be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I said this last week and I want to repeat it again. In order to live beyond emotional pain, that people can inflict on you. You must accept people at their worst. You must accept people at their worst. 
Now that's not easy, but it's also something that you need in return. You need to be in the kind of relationship with people that they can accept you at your worst. You know, the reality is that love requires loving people with their faults, flaws, and foibles. Love requires loving people with their faults, flaws, and foibles. Now, you got to get this because it's easy to love people when they're pretty, when they're nice, when they're handsome, when they're dressed up, when they're smelling good and looking good and feeling good. It is not easy to love people when they don't look good and they're not dressed up and life has been mean to them. There's a former NBA player who's walking down the street. He has lost all of his resources, lived in California, lost all his resources. He's been homeless for a while now. One of the most prolific coaches in the NBA sees him walking down the street. He's ashamed. He hasn't had a bath. His clothes are dirty. He smells. He knows he smells. He knows life has been horrible to him. This coach is coming by in a beautiful vehicle. It's a beautiful, fancy automobile. And he sees him and he recognizes him and he stops his vehicle and puts him in his car and takes him to try to help him. The player is all upset. He's like, I can't believe it. You know, what, what, what stopping? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good. My life is in shambles. I, I smell, I know I'm not, I've been out in the street. I've been living here for months and years. And, but see, love looks beyond the stench of life to see the soul in the life. That's real love. See, you can love me when I look good. Can you love me when I don't? Uh, we, we tease people, you know, there's this passage in the Old Testament where the children of Israel are in battle and Moses is allowed to sit down on a rock and two good deacons, if you will, stand with him while he's sitting there and one gets on the left and one gets on the right and they're there, they're holding up his arms in the heat of the day. And one of the things that makes me, interests me right now is the fact that they're holding up his arms in a sweaty, desert climate. I'm not too sure if he had his arid extra dry on that day. I don't know if he had the Mitchum underneath there. He might not have smelled too good. In truth, sweating out there, none of us would be so, uh, what's that word? So fresh and so clean, clean. Look, if you can't love beyond the three F's, you really can't love. You can't really love. If you can't love beyond the three F's, 
you can't really love. Everyone you meet will have them openly or hidden, but realize there they are there. Realize they are there. Whether you see them or not, they're there. You know, people try to fool folk when you're dating and they try to make you think that, you know, I don't have any flaws and, and then you, you get embarrassed because you have flaws and you think the other person doesn't have any flaws and so you be trying to hide your flaws, they be hiding their flaws and so there are things you won't do, places you won't go, you know, I don't want them to see me eat because when I eat, I don't chew that pretty or, wait, wait a minute. If the relationship is going to be based on whether or not your, your, your teeth pattern is perfect, we might have a problem. But you see, some of us, and here's the flip from last week, some of us have an ability to love others and their flaws, but our greatest inability is in loving ourselves. When this question came up in Zoom last week, it jumped in my spirit because the first thing I reminded myself of is the fact that it's so easy for some who have a charitable heart, a loving heart, a loving spirit to look beyond everybody else's stuff and they'll help everybody else, they'll do for everybody else. And, but for themselves, they're so hard on themselves that they can't even enjoy life. They're so rough on themselves, they don't even know how to be happy. And so I want to I want to offer some things tonight real quick and then I'm going to get those last few verses in there from the top 5. You must learn to accept your own faults, flaws and foibles. You must learn to accept your own faults, flaws and foibles. Big one here, hold on to it because you need to know. You've got to accept yourself. I, I, I need you to understand that not all faults and flaws and foibles are character issues. Normally when we talk about flaws, we always talk to character. Some flaws are not simply character. Some things are physical flaws. One leg longer than the other. One hand bigger than the other. One eye sits up straight, one may sit down a little low. One lip may be caught. We, we, there, there are all kinds of physical flaws. And sometimes because you don't meet some standard that someone else has set, oh, you need to have this particular kind of hair or this particular kind of hairdo or you, you need to look this way or look that way or you, you, you're not tall enough, short enough, fat enough, skinny enough. You don't have the whatever body parts and anatomy that is being the tour de France, the greatest thing of the day. No! So now all of a sudden you look in the mirror, you see your beautiful self and you don't even know you're beautiful. Because some standard of beauty has been established for you. And the standard of beauty that has been established has not been established by people that look like you. And all now all of a sudden you have denied yourself the privilege of knowing how lovely you are. How wonderful you are. 
Your self-esteem is tied now to the thoughts of somebody else because they look this way, they look that way. And yes, maybe you even have some physical flaws. Maybe you're not perfect. Maybe you could lose some weight. But before you go beating yourself up about losing the weight, accept the weight you have now. Okay. You see, I want to make some suggestions about these flaws. I want to make some suggestions about this 3F thing for you personally. And then I'm going to get back to those five things. I promise you I'm going to hit them before I leave. I will, I will, I will. The first thing I want to suggest to you is that you need to have an awareness of your flaws. An awareness of your flaws. You ought to be aware of what you can and can't do and what you have and don't have. If there even are flaws. You get to decide that. But you ought to have an awareness of it. You know, hey, look, if you know all the other girls may be jumping in the pool, but you know if you jump in the pool, your hair going to frizz up and you got somewhere to be for dinner that night. An awareness of the hair texture and how it's going to respond to that chlorinated water ought to keep you out the water right there. You can get in on another day. Just an awareness. And that's not a flaw. Just an awareness of your body. It's awareness of who you are. You see, if you're not aware, um, Sister Ariana can play that, that horn. She can play it. Woo, she can play it. But I can tell you now, she knows the days when she's not feeling like blowing extremely hard. She knows what her lung capacity is. So she decides in her mind what keys she can hit or what range to go in. It's the technique. It's the skill. She's not going to try and hold a note if she's not feeling that she can hold that note because she doesn't want you to hear what happens when she stops blowing. You have an awareness. That's a cognitive awareness. And some of us suffer from cognitive dissonance about our own self. An awareness of your flaws. But then, then there's this acknowledgement of your flaws. An acknowledgement of your flaws. Um, this is an acknowledgement of your flaws. Uh, excuse the of is not in there. That's my fault, my, not, not anybody else's. An acknowledgement of your flaws. What, what does that mean? It means that I don't want to have a flaw and act as though I don't have it in my life, whatever it may be. I don't want to act like that. You know, James has this wonderful depiction of a person, and I've used this before, looking in a mirror. And it's about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And James says that some of us are like the persons who look in the mirror and see in the image of the glass, and we forget who we were and what we just saw when we walk away. But an acknowledgement of it will allow us to then act on it. To do something. Okay, here's the one's gonna mess you up. I know it's gonna mess you up because see, th this one not easy. 
And this one is at the top. It's where I started at, so I put it here again. It is to accept your flaws. Your best is good enough in Christ Jesus. Your best is good enough in Christ Jesus. Accept your flaws. You know, sometimes, um, let me, let me, I want to do this in, in, in a couple of different ways, so stay with me for a moment. You know, there's a mother listening to me right now. You are working from home. You're taking care of the children there. You've got young people running around. They're trying to do distance learning or some hybrid learning, and you're running with them. You're trying to work, or you're, you're getting them off to school, and then you're going to work. And because they're in a hybrid program, you got to try and get off earlier than you used to and get them somewhere to get them taken care of and get back to work or get online and then do your work. And then you, you're doing all you can. Let me tell you something. Accept the fact that you're not going to be perfect and not being perfect is okay. Your best is good enough. And the only thing you want to do is to be able to say to yourself, I did my best for today. I'll try to do better tomorrow. And then there's this thing about my salvation. The reality is that all of us are working towards our goal of serving God at the most optimal level at the purest level. And it is only in Christ that we can achieve it. And until you accept your flaws as a human being, unable to save yourself and realize you need the work of the Lord to help you be your best self, then you'll keep relying on your physical mind, your physical abilities, your willpower to do what only God can do through Christ in your life. Wow, that's a lot right there. That's a lot. Okay, let me, let me work this. I'm working on something now. Listen, the Apostle Paul demonstrates an awareness of his flaws and an acknowledgement of their impact on his life. He does this in several areas, but particularly physically and spiritually. He realizes. That he, he says, look, I got some flaws and uh, I'm going to acknowledge my, my stuff. And the reason I'm going to acknowledge my stuff is because somebody in 2020 is going to be looking at their stuff and wonder if why they can't be so perfect like I am. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna let them know that I'm not that perfect either because I wanna acknowledge my stuff. I got some stuff I'm working on. I got some things I'm working through. I got some issues and my issues got issues. Don't get mad at me because you saw me do something that wasn't perfect and then I came to church next week or you saw me online trying to praise God. Let me tell you something. God ain't through with me yet. James Cleveland had it right. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. And when God gets through with me, I shall come forth as pure gold. I'm not gold right now. I'm trying to get to be gold. Please be patient. You know, physically, I'm going to do physical and then I'm going to do spiritual. So let me show you what I mean. Real quick, 
and I, I know I'm, I'm on a roll here, so, so stay with me. And this is important that you get it. Get this now. Physically, he suffers from an undisclosed ailment described only as a thorn in the flesh. He suffers from an undisclosed ailment. You know, I've preached this text a million times. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. I preach this text so many times I can't even tell you. And there's all kinds of speculation about what the thorn was and what was going on with the thorn. Listen, the thing that I think is the most important thing is that he doesn't tell us what the thorn is. And I think the reason he doesn't tell us what the thorn is because it's none ya. Oh, y'all missed that. It's none ya. None of your business. If he had wanted you to know, he'd have told you. The truth of the matter is, everybody won't know your flaws. Everybody won't know. But every now and then you might have to say, I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. I'm striving. Striving to be what God wants me to be. I am working out my soul's salvation with fear and trembling. Look, look, go with me real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Here's how Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh. <laughs> he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan debuffed me, lest I be exalted above measure. I want you to see something. He actually, what, listen to this closely, he neutralizes and, and neuters the effect of what the thorn could be by reshaping what it means to him. He makes it neutral. Okay, this could be a bad thing. This could, this could hurt me. It could mess my psyche up. And the way I'm going to view this is, since God didn't take it, it must be something God has allowed. It's just the message of Satan to buffet me, to keep me humble. It's just something to keep me humble. He re-examines it, not as a flaw or a bad thing, but he says, uh, it's just one more way God keeps me in check. God let the devil touch me to keep me in check. He, listen, listen, listen. He has now neutralized the effect of what the flaw could have been he could have been sitting around crying about it and worrying about whether or not he had an anointing. Well, God, if I'm so anointed, why can't I heal myself? Everybody else getting healed. They grab my handkerchiefs. They getting healed. And I'm not getting healed. Instead, he neutralizes the effect of what the flaw could do in his spirit by simply looking at it from a whole different perspective. There's something in your life that you're going to need to re-examine and look at from a different perspective. Ooh, this thing is teaching tonight. It's teaching itself. I can't help myself here. Listen, he said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, he, listen, notice what's not in the text. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Hold it, stop, wait a minute, 
what's not in the text is God didn't say, Paul, I sent the messenger of Satan to buffet you so that you could be humble. Paul said that. God said, my grace is sufficient. Full stop. My grace is sufficient. But my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, I'll get some glory out of what's going on in the midst of this and you will survive. You'll be blessed anyway. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs and in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He has flipped the script. He has flipped it upside down. I could go on. Because I have it in several translations. Because it just makes sense to me. He says, he says this to us. I have experienced God at his greatest. And I'm going through something right now but I'm not going to let it tear me up. I'm going through something right now, but it's not going to ruin my life. I've been through some things, but it's not going to ruin my life. They're not going to ruin my life. What I'm dealing with now is not going to cause me to turn my back on God or anything else. This thing may stay with me for the rest of my life. Prayed about it, ain't going away, but I will survive and I will walk in the favor and anointing of God with it in my life. Whoa. That which the enemy sent for evil, God can take it for good. Let, let me, I, I just want to hit one, one couple of little pieces from the Message Bible, because it's going to help me. He's going to bless me. It'll bless me if it don't bless you. Listen, from the Message Bible, listen to what he says. Beginning at verse 7, the Message says this. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so, I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the, the gift of a handicap, the gift of a handicap, to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Saint Angel did his best to get me down. What in, what in fact did was push me to my knees. Stop right there. He said, I was, I, I need you to re-envision some stuff you're going through. See, see what Paul said, when I realized I was dealing with this thing in my life, when I realized I was dealing with seasonal di uh, disorders and I was looking around and I started feeling bad at the changes of time, when I realized I was having a hard time with this stuff going on in my life and people were bothering me, what it made me do was it made me fall on my knees. It pushed me to prayer. He, he said, because I was on my knees, there was no danger then of walking around high and mighty. I knew I had to talk to God. At first, I didn't think it was, of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough, it's all you need. Woo! My strength comes into its own in your weakness. 
Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on my handicap and began appreciating the gift. I gotta stop, I gotta stop, I gotta stop. Cause y'all, 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 you, you know you're about to make me, make me holler. Quit focusing on the flaw and thank God for what the gifts he's already given you. But be aware of them. Be aware of them. Okay. Now, now, you have to know that. That's physically. But spiritually, Paul does the same thing. And, and, and Paul has this awareness and acceptance in spiritual matters of flaws as well. So he says, I got this physical thing, but I got, I got a spiritual thing I need to be aware of as well. Come on, I'm teaching y'all something you need to have tonight. Listen, he says, an awareness of sin and an acceptance of powerlessness against it allows one to rely on Jesus and not willpower alone. See, See, once you become aware of just how deadly sin is, because see, in my flesh dwell no good thing. Once you become aware of what sin will make you do and make you cut the fool and act up, let me help you here. You, once you get to that place, then you realize you're powerless against it, and that recognition of powerlessness puts you in a position where you start calling on Jesus. Okay, uh, let me let me let me do this. I'm gonna push you. Uh, I'm gonna push you just a little little bit further, cause some of y'all don't believe I got this right. So let me help you here. Paul Paul puts it out to us. He he wants you to know. And and, and this time, let me let me let me do this. I want to use the Amplified Bible. Yeah, I want to use the Amplified Bible. This this this. Let me use the Amplified Bible. He says we know that the law is spiritual. But I am a creature of the flesh. He said, this is what I am. Did not you? I'm talking about me. Did not you? I'm talking about me. He said, I'm a creature of the flesh. And then the, the Amplified Bible amplifies that to say worldly, self-reliant, carnal, and unspiritual. He said, I'm a creature of the flesh. See, in my flesh, I'm a creature of the flesh. He said, sold into the slavery of sin, to sin and serving under its control. He says, listen, we're just, we're just flesh and blood. We've been, serving, we've been serving that master sin a long time. He says, for, verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. Those of you trying to get to me, I'm in Romans 7, 14 through 25 in the Amplified Bible. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. Can I, can I preach to somebody right now? There's some stuff you did when you said you wasn't going to do it and you made up your mind said, I ain't going to do it no more. And then with all your making up your mind and all you, I'm all set, I'm going to go, you did it anyway. Because you thought you could control you through your mind. And what you found out is sin is bigger than your mind. You're not that bad. Sin's a bad booger. Temptation's a bad booger. It'll walk you down, come up in your house, tap you on your shoulder, say, wake up! We got sinning to do. I, um, 
<laughs> I, I'm gonna try to tell this story the, the best way I can. I, I, I'm sick. I'm trying to clean it up. I'm talking to somebody one day, and uh, we were talking about you know we we've been going a lot of services around a lot of people, uh, and it's been kind of, And so I'm talking about life and death, and and, and the young person said to me, said, "Well, what well, you know, I don't want to die now, cause I still have sinning to do." I thought I was going to fall out and I'm about to fall out now because that's at least it's honest the truth of the matter is that sin always tries to keep us connected to it and doing its dirty deeds okay come on verse 15 I'm still in the empire for I do not understand my own actions I know I'm talking to somebody now. Somebody, Sister Regina, I'm, I'm right there, baby. Here, I this. I, some people say, I don't understand my own actions. He said, I'm, I am baffled and bewildered by them. I, I talk, call Sister Regina because she loves the Amplified Bible. She said, I'm baffled and bewildered by them. I do not practice what I want to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate and yielding to my human nature by my worldliness, my sinful capacity. Now, if I habitually do what I do not want to do, that means I agree with the law, confessing that it is good, morally excellent. So now, if in, in that is the case, then, it is no longer I who do it, the disobedient thing which I despise, but the sin nature which lives in me. Woo! Preach what's. The sin nature in me makes me conduct its business if I don't get some help to put it down. I'm preaching in here. He said, he said, verse 18, for I know nothing, that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity. He said, nothing good in my flesh dwells no good thing. Verse 18, you need to hold that. Remind yourself. If you listen to your flesh, you're going to sin. And you're not going to be able to just tell yourself, just say no. I don't care who has a campaign. Just say no ain't going to work. You're going to need help. You need it from on high. Paul confesses. This is an awareness of the flaw. If you're aware of the flaw of sin, that it dwells in us, then you can actually deal with it. If you act like you don't have it, then you won't deal with it. Verse 18, he said, he said I know nothing good in me. He said, uh, the end, of, end of verse 18 said, for the, for the willingness to do good is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. I want to do good. Getting it done is the problem. Verse 19, for the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am no, if I'm doing the very thing that I do not want to do, I am no longer the one doing it. That is, it is not me that acts, but the sin nature which lives in me. <sighs> should, should I keep going? Do, do, do I, are y'all ready for me to stop yet? Because I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I don't hurt somebody already. They, 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 they're sitting back mad now. Verse 21. 
I'm going to verse 25. Now that I got this far, I might as well go ahead and smack it all the way home. Just like, pow, 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 pow. I'm trying to bless you here. So I find it to be the law of my inner self. That evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. Okay, let me help you here. This one to my awareness. I find it in my inner self that evil is always there. I wanted to do good. You know, you've seen those little, little animations of the good angel on this side and the bad angel on that side, and each of them whispering. Shh, 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 shh. And, and some of us, some of us, we, we, we have the hearing aid on on the side that's saying what we want to hear. And we turn the hearing aid off on the side to say what we don't want to hear. He says, look, verse, verse 22, he says, for I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my, my new nature. But I see a different law and the rule of, of action in the members of my body. It's appetites and desires waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is within my members. Wretched and miserable man that I am. Stop right there. I told you he, he accepts and acknowledges his own flaws. I, I know I'm, I'm bad. I'm wretched, miserable man that I am. Who will rescue me and set me free from the body of death? This corrupt mortal existence. Thanks be to God for my deliverance. I need to help somebody here. I'm not trying to preach this to give you a license to sin. I'm trying to give you the, a license to know where to get help if you will at least acknowledge that you, it's not just your flesh cutting up. It's not just that you are, are, are all hyper or hot and bothered. No, it's not that you're just beside yourself. It's sin knocking at your door. You, who's knocking at my window? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, the wrong, wrong service. Let me go. You gotta, you gotta realize it is the, it is the enemy trying to keep you captive. And Paul says, "Look, who's gonna rescue me from this mess?" And then he says, "Thanks be to God for my deliverance. My deliverance comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord." He says, "I am delivered because of Jesus." I am delivered because and through Jesus. And it is understanding this Jesus thing that keeps me. It's understanding that it's Jesus that blesses me, that Jesus that walks in me, that gives me animated power to say no to that which is wrong and yes to that which is righteous. And if I at least acknowledge it, then that way I will find myself trying to get closer to Jesus because that's the only way I'm going to keep the wolf inside of me that wants to come out, the cougar inside of you, the, the animal inside of you that wants to have its own way. I suppress it by my relationship with Jesus. If I don't acknowledge and accept that it's still there, I don't care if you're 80 or 80. It's still there. Devil didn't let you go because you got old. Devil didn't let you go because you don't look like you used to look. There's somebody like everybody. 
I promise you there's something. If you want to sin, there'll be a sin partner somewhere around. You got to find a way to accept and acknowledge, hey, I need you, God. That's part of accepting my flaws. I, I know I've, I've I stayed on this longer than I, did, I, I, I wanted to. So let me push away from this. I got to get to the five things. I only have, I got a few minutes left. I don't know how I do this to myself every time. I always have more I want to say than I have time to say it in. Listen, I want to accept my own stuff. I want to acknowledge where I am. I want to acknowledge my need for God. I want to be like Paul and say, this is what it is, and it is what it is. But I also want to realize that I've got to accept the flaws in others, and at the very least, I have to anticipate the flaws in others. I've got to anticipate the flaws in others. It's important that you get this. I need to anticipate the fact that we're not perfect. I need to anticipate it. I need to recognize that. It's gonna, it's gonna save me from being mad with you. It's gonna save me from always wanting to fight and cuss and, and cut up the cut the fool because I know that you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Okay. Deciding the extent to which you can move beyond toleration to celebration will let you know how close you can be in proximity to them to the folk with flaws. See, I don't want you to tolerate me, I want you to celebrate me. <laughs> I want you to celebrate me. And we wanna live a life where folk can celebrate you. See, I want you to get to the place where your mind is so calm and you're so content in God. You see, the quiet mind is the result of a quiet spirit. Develop your mind by practicing contentment, carefulness, calmness, and caring. Develop your mind by practicing contentment, carefulness, calmness, and caring. Okay, I'm going to give you these five. Again, I'm going to try and start here next week. So I'm just give you all five so you have them tonight. I talked about the first three last week, so I'm just going to give them to you, and I'm going to get you out of here on time. I'm going to give you out of here on time. Number one, practice peace that is calmness in daily life. Number one, practice peace, calmness in daily life. You know, I, I can tell you this, that if you do this, in the beginning, you're going to aggravate other people who want you to be as, as animated and accelerated in your spirit as they are. But you need to practice your peace in daily life, every day. And, and I'm going to come back to that. I'm not going to stay there because I'll do it again. I'm not finished with it because I added that other piece in here. I didn't give, it, didn't give this the time I wanted to give it to. Number two, perfect peace and calmness in devotional life. And I gave you Psalm 94 verse 12 in the Message Bible, and you need to get that, keep it in your mind. God wants to provide a circle of quiet 
within the clamor of evil. God wants to provide a circle of quiet within the clamor of evil. God wants to provide a circle of quiet in the within the clamor of evil. Remember, the closer you are to God, the less likely you'll stay upset. And notice, I use the word stay instead of something like you'll get upset. Because the fact that you get upset is a part of your humanity. But you won't stay upset if you stay connected to God. All to Jesus I surrender. Perform peace, calmness in the difficulties of life. Perform peace and calmness in the difficulties of life. That's number three. I'm going to come back to this next week. I promise you I will, I will hit it harder. I, I don't have time to do it now, but I know you wanted to get these. I know they were in your spirit. The more difficult life becomes, the calmer you need to be. Two, two, two great things you should know. God will calm me, and God gives me the ability to calm and quiet my own soul. You say it again. God will calm me in prayer. That's the devotional thing. But in the midst of difficulties, God will give me the ability to calm and quiet my soul. God wants to give you the ability to quiet your own soul. Ah, oh, glory. Y'all, y'all, I, I feel that right there. I surrender. See, a part of it is surrendering myself to God that's going to bring me into a place of quietness. Number four, propagate. And that word means cause to increase peace, calmness in the drama of life. Cause to increase peace, calmness, in the drama of life. Let, let me say this. You be peace so that you bring peace to every situation you're involved in. You be the peace. What, 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 Bishop, how can I be peace? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. You be peace. You, you, don't you instigate it. You, you de-escalate it. You be peace. I'll hit it again next week. I promise you I will. 
but but you cause it to increase you you cause it you you be the one to bring calmness in in the midst of the drama you lower your voice when everybody's raising theirs you speak with common sense when folk are talking nonsensically you speak a word of peace in the midst of confusion you get up on the sea of life and speak like Jesus and say, peace, be still. Surrender all. All to thee, my Number five, number five. I, I promise you I'll break it down next week, but let me just give it to you. I got scripture to go with each one of these things that's going to bless your, your socks off. But listen, pursue peace that is calmness in the decisions of life. Let me tell you something. I determine my decisions based on the peace. If, if you follow, if you follow peace, guess what's gonna happen? You'll make a right decision every time. Now, how do I know this? This is important, you get this. You see, the reason I know that that's going to happen is because you are saved and a believer so that when your peace is taken from you in a decision, it probably means that that decision was not a decision you should have made. When you have peace in a decision, the outcome doesn't matter because it could be a bad appearing outcome and not be a bad thing. So you learn to follow peace as every decision gets made. I'm done for the night. What you have to do is you surrender your will to his will. And therefore he, the Prince of Peace, becomes peace in you. And you become peace for the world. And in so doing, you gain the quiet mind for troubled times. God bless you, saints. Keep playing, y'all. I know I gotta get out of here. I love you all with the love of the Lord. You won't change my mind. I want you to join us in giving tonight, please. Join us, 
make some contribution, please attach on it, benevolent, if it's for your benevolent offering. That way we can get it to the deacons and they can do the ministry they need to do and to our agape fund to do what we do in blessing people during these difficult times. So please join us, give Lafayette Cash App or send it into the church. Market benevolent funds so we can be a blessing to somebody else. That's what we do our Tuesday night gifts. Our Tuesday night offerings go into the diaconate ministry and they distribute those funds as they deem appropriate.